everybody, and welcome to another True Stories from Tinseltown. And yes, oh yes, it is part two of the True Stories of Tinseltown Spooktacular. <laughs> That's supposed to be creepy walking. And of course... To finish off part two, I am here with the wonderful Stone Wallace. Hi, Stoney. Reek, Reek, help me, Reek. Oh, that's the wrong wrong Peter. That's the wrong Peter Laurie. Okay, do a Peter Laurie for us, please. Peter Laurie, I'll do, I'll do terrible. Thank you, Leopold. I only do that at Halloween. Yes. Well, I have to say. I love your Dracula more. Well, thank you. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I'm, I'm flattered. I'm but flattered. I do like your Peter Laurie. Okay. You well, got to do okay. it. You're the only person who's done a spooktacular with me that has done the goofy laugh. All right, Stone, lay it on us. They're <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yay. Thank you much. You is welcome. So what? Uh, Stone and I are going to do today is we are going to talk about movie. You know, there's so many, you know, we're going to touch on probably, you know, a few that are really important. But, um, you know, we're going to just kind of go maybe a genre started from this film and this film and this film and this film. And we'll talk about it. And it should be probably about an hour so you guys won't get cray cray with us and um do you stone wanna wanna start well we ended off i think with the 1950s which we said was the transition period i think with the uh, horror movie going from the classic films of the 1930s and 40s into the more sci-fi pictures like them the thing in the 1950s and then getting back into more of the classical horror with the emergence of Hammer films and the Curse of Frankenstein, the horror of Dracula and films of that type. Now we move into the 60s uh, where Hammer is building their own reputation, but I would say the first film to discuss would be Alfred Hitchcock's classic Psycho. (laughs) That's bad. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you got that evil laugh again. You keep doing that. (laughs) Yes, my evil but kindly laugh. Okay, so yes, um, that was a fabulous film, what can we say? And it is, I guess it's Alfred Hitchcock's first um, horror film, right? I would say pretty much, although I would give a close second to uh, Shadow of a Doubt with uh, Joseph Cotton. As Uncle Charlie, the wife murderer. I love that. Uh, the, yeah, the Mary class. Widow murderer. The yeah. Mary Widower, that's correct. So I would say that just comes close to it. But uh, horror, uh, for straight horror, I would say Psycho is, is the one, of course, which is based on the novel by Robert Block, who based his story and his character on the infamous serial killer Ed Gein. And uh, that's quite a gruesome story in itself. Uh, it was watered down quite a bit for the movie, which it had to be. But that was the inspiration uh, for the book. And, of course, uh, we saw that actually, uh, if you read the book, it's very close to the film, Uh, although the character of Norman Bates is quite a bit different. Uh, He's a corpulent, balding guy. 
not Anthony Perkins at all, who was very good looking. You know, he was a matinee idol who all of a sudden became typecast. I know after that, and um, and he was a good looking dude. He really was a cutie, but he he was a perfect Norman. He really was just so oh, he great. Had the, he had the qualities. He had the, the the nervousness. I mean, I mean, I can't picture anybody else playing that role. And again, he played it so successfully that it did pretty much typecast him afterwards. So I know prior to that, that kind he had of a pretty stunk. Yeah. Did you ever see a Pretty Poison? And he's oh, like yes, psychotic, and he mm. he's telling Tuesday well that he's a member with the CIA, and she's just a little minx in a not nice minx, but she uses him too. So, um, yeah. I, I love this. Uh, Janet Lee says that she could never take a shower after this movie. I wonder if that is the truth, or could it be just something to say? And also, um, Alfred Hitchcock did, was not impressed. He did not want John Gavin to play the part of the lovely Janet Lee's, you know, poor boyfriend who she can't marry yet so they have these trysts <laughs> in in uh, in all different hotels hotel rooms and he's called john gavin the stiff because <laughs> he you know he never he was handsome as hell even before he died which wasn't that long ago he was still very very handsome man well in the movie hitchcock where uh anthony hopkins plays uh Alfred Hitchcock, and the, the film deals, of course, with the making of Psycho. Even in that film, he pretty much disparages uh, John Gavin's acting talent, calling him a piece of wood. Exactly, <laughs> so, yeah. Steph. That's what he was. He was, you know, but good-looking. And another thing with Psycho, what they did, this, this seems to be pretty famous tidbit, but when she was, when Janet was in having sex with her boyfriend, and when she was just living her life, she was wearing white lingerie. After she stole the money, it became the black stuff. Yes, she wore the black bra, the black lingerie, and because she, she was a bad girl again. And another tidbit from Psycho, she would get death threats. Death threats. Because, I don't know, because... John Gav- I don't know why she would get death threats, but she got a lot of death threats, which is perplexing to me, nonetheless. It is perplexing. I don't see why that would happen. The thing about Psycho, I think, that really kind of startled audiences uh, at the time is that uh, she's basically, you think, the star of the movie. I mean, that's what you focus on for the first I mean, 45 minutes or so, and then all of a sudden, bang, audiences weren't used to seeing the lead character get killed off. So quickly, or not so quickly, but into the film, uh, and uh, in such a brutal matter. So I think that was something, you know, besides the shock ending when you discover, you know, mother is, uh, that really thrilled audiences. I want to mention this, because I had this wonderful guy, he directed the Natalie Wood documentary for HBO, he has a, he's French, and I can't remember how to pronounce his name, but he came on, I was promoting for Columbia Home uh, Pictures, the new Psycho um, CD thing. And he wrote, he had hours worth of stuff. He won a documentary film for doing it on the birds. He did all this stuff. And he said that, I asked him actually, you know, so Norman's like what, 
20, what do you think it's supposed to be, 24? Oh, maybe maybe mid-20s. Yeah, yeah, 24, 25. Why is mother dressing in, like, you know, 1910 frocks? Mm. And where did he get that, you know, that thing? I'm like, what? how old was mother, for goodness sakes? She, mm. she had to be some, yeah. not a lot younger. He could have been a late child, but dressing like that. <laughs> I don't know. That was my... Well, you know, it'd be a, that's true. It's one of those suspension of disbelief things maybe be where you have to kind of... It, it creates a creepier mood, I think, seeing that uh, the, the vintage outfit and all that. And the house itself is vintage. You know, a house, uh, the house by the hotel. So that might be more for just the atmosphere. Could be. But it's just one of my things when I said that. But it doesn't matter. Okay. No, the film still works on every other level, so definitely. It's wonderful. Another film of the 60s that I love this film. It doesn't scare me as much now because I've seen it so many times. The Haunting um, with Claire Bloom, Julie Harris. My, I love Russ Tamblin, and I can't think of the English actor's name. But, Richard, uh, Rich, uh, that was Richard Johnson. Oh, thank you. And um, I love that movie. It didn't have any, like, blood, guts, anything. It was all psychological fear, things you heard, the bangings, things like that. And, you know, Julie Harris stayed away from the cast um, because she was awkward and not whatever. You know, she just did it on purpose because the rest of the cast would have dinner together and she wouldn't show up. And she also... Um, she wanted to make, um, she wanted to make the character more of a weirdo. And it's like, (laughs) you're an annoying neurotic weirdo enough, Julie. So the director didn't want her to be, she wanted her to be a homelier and doing all this other stuff and didn't happen. But I love that movie. I think it's really good. And just for old-fashioned fun without blood, gore, and yeah. just for chill, do a Bella it's chills not, in the it, night for me. Yeah, it's, it's atmosphere and suggestion, which sometimes, like the old Val Luton films we were talking about, can be much more effective than throwing the horror right in your face. Oh, I agree. So it's just it, imagination. It, it, and, and Yeah, it makes it, you know, if it doesn't scare you, at the very least, it creeps you out. Oh, it scared me in the beginning, but like I said, I've seen it so many times that it doesn't do it. Um, I have Rosemary's Baby, which I love. That, that might be my favorite horror film. That's actually an interesting film because it's almost based verbatim on the book. Yes. Ira Levin's novel. It's very, it's almost like they took the book and just made a script out of it. So it's very faithful to its source. And it is a it is a very interesting film because it's again it's quiet suggestive horror, so you want to compare it like to well, you know The Exorcist later on, which we'll probably discuss. It's worlds apart, same subject matter pretty much, but worlds apart in its execution. Definitely, and um, they did not see the thing is like when I will later talk about The Shining and how I thought. I agreed with Stephen King that Jack Nicholson never had a change. He was one-note creep through the whole movie. <laughs> the same thing about, I, I love John Cassavetes. He played Rosemary's husband, yes. Guy, who <laughs> sold her and the baby up the river to become a famous star. And um, I, 
I thought he was like Jack Nicholson. You knew he'd sell Rosemary out to be star. You knew he was selfish and kind of e. They wanted, very much wanted Robert Redford, who I would have loved to see in this part, to see in this role. I didn't know that Redford was uh, was considered for the part. Really? Yes, yes. I didn't know that. They really wanted him. And mm. I've read two different versions of why they didn't get him. One was that he couldn't get out of a film uh, um, obligation, and the other one was he didn't want that to be his image. You know, it's interesting because he made Barefoot in the Park with Jane Fonda, and this kind of would have been the horror version of that film. Right. Because they're kind of, they're kind of similar in certain ways. Yes, the nosy cast of ads. And it's just really a good book. It's eerie, her best friend. It is. Her, her best friend, Hutch, um, Minnie, and uh, what's the guy's name? Minnie and her husband. Well, uh, I know the actor. I can't remember the character's name, though. But, oh, everybody in there has got that sinister, you don't quite trust them. And what a great cast of vintage actors they had in that film as well. Pat, um, Patsy Kelly, she was great as Laura Louise. She was <laughs> just funny. And then they had this woman who was her friend in the laundromat. And um, she was living with the cast of that's. And a Roman castanet. She was living with them, and she's telling them she was a junkie, and they took her off the street. They're like parents. But what they were doing was actually priming her to carry the child. But she found out, um, because you can hear them fighting in the wall, uh, that they wanted her to be the devil's mommy, uh, the baby, the devil's baby mama. Let's put it that way. And... She allegedly jumped, or did they put a spell and make her jump? So that was one of the things. Interesting tidbit about her. Um, about 10 years ago, she murdered her boyfriend. And I believe she's still in jail. Interesting. She was really a play ba- Playboy bunny playmate, too. Well, that's one of the backstories, isn't it? It makes you think somebody was involved with a film like that and all the weird things that happened during the making of that movie, including the death shortly afterwards of William uh, Castle, the producer. And then the horror of the Sharon Tate. Of course. And, Robert uh, yeah. So you, you, you think about so many of those films, which I guess we'll discuss as well, uh, that deal with demonic subjects and the consequences. Sometimes are they coincidental? Or are we actually moving into areas that you don't really want to move into. Right. And one more thing I wanted to say about uh, Rosemary's Baby is Frank Sinatra did not want her to take this role. He was doing a film, and he wanted her to be his co-star. And she would not. And then she cut her hair, the Vidal Sassoon, um, short, short, short hair cut. And... um, they said, oh, you're probably going to Academy Award. She wanted to do this movie. And while she was doing it, um, she got served with divorce papers. And guess That's what? She didn't get nominated. So there. No, she didn't. No. Mm-mm. But then again, horror movies, don't forget, at that time, really weren't going to be strong contenders. Any more than comedies, for the most part. You know, True. They, were, they, wanted, they wanted films that had more like a spectacle or a, a, a human drama. 
horror films weren't really looked at as being in that same uh, classification. Right. It's like um, they're just kind of – they can't be good because it's horror. Well, when you, when can't you, well, be technical. Well, you, can't be all that stuff. When you think about it, only two actors have ever been awarded Academy Awards for playing horror roles. And that was, I know, Frederick March for and, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Yeah. Hyde. And there, there was a long period before the second actor uh, played a horrific role. Was that, uh, was that Linda Blair? No, she was nominated. True. But to win an award was Anthony Hopkins for Silence of the Lambs. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. So that was, yeah, that was a horror film. He scared me. Human beings that are monsters scare me more than monsters. <laughs> it's human beings are the scary, scary folks. Um, we can talk about one, and then I want you to take on some of the uh, Roger Corman, you know, the Vincent Price yes. um, stuff. Oh, yeah. But Night of the Living Dead, this oh, is where yeah. we first got these big zombies. No, actually it was in the 30s when zombies came out and stuff like that. But Night of the Living Dead was made on, absolutely had a creepy, low budget. But, you know, I thought it was a really good movie. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Well, there was one prior to that in the 60s as well that had the same sort of low-budget, eerie, zombie uh, feel to it. And you must know which film that is. No. (laughs) (laughs) Carnival of Souls. Oh, I love Carnival of Souls. That that was low-budget. And what a fascinating story. If you guys can check it out, they always have it on YouTube. And it's... It's really creep and great. See, it's another one of those films that's scary, I suppose, but to me it's more unsettling, creepy, uh-huh. than really scary because it's just the whole story behind what's happening to that poor girl. And uh, it's, it's, it's very, yeah, you, you, you feel really kind of weirded out after you watch that movie. Definitely. Most definitely. And at first time I saw it, I was like, oh. Oh, oh, my, oh, my. Okay, <laughs> so why don't you start talking about some of Vincent's movies with Roger Corman, with Hammer, all that stuff. Well, as we know, Vincent Price started off his career more as a leading man type. Yes. But he was never really defined uh, as a leading man because he just had a kind of a peculiar quality about him. And his, and and his, uh, his speech was not like, you know, his voice was not like leading manny. I didn't think. And um, that wasn't what he meant. He was meant to be. He did want to be that. And he, he was a leading man in, you know, one of the leading men in Laura and in um, Dragon Wick and then um, the one with uh, Ellen Barrett with Gene Tierney again. Uh, uh, he, uh uh, yes. Leave her oh, to gosh. heaven. Leave her to Leave heaven. Leave her to heaven. That's one. Thank you. Then. Yes. But don't forget, he began his first, his very first movie. He played a romantic lead, Service Deluxe. Never that saw that. Film. That was his first film. I believe it might be on YouTube, actually. And that was his first role. And he was a leading man in that, a romantic character. But then he began to move more into the, I guess, character parts. 
And you mentioned Dragonwick, which may, you know, on top of, um, well, he also was in the original Tower of London with uh, Basil Rathbone and Boris Karloff, that he did The Invisible Man Returns. And then Dragonwick was kind of moving, when you look at it, like the beginning of the kind of films he would do with Roger Corman, a period piece where he played that kind of a character. A gothic kind of home they lived in. He was cray-cray. And, um... But I enjoyed Dragonwick. I thought Gene was very good. That I thought they had a good chemistry. They worked together three times. Just as she had a really good ke- um, chemistry with um, Dana Andrews. Yeah, she did very much so. But then Vincent Price, of course, uh, he made The House of Wax. Then he did The Mad Magician. Uh, went back to doing character parts in films like The Ten Commandments, The Story of Mankind, in which he played the devil. And then William Castle hired him. Apparently, they met in a coffee shop one night, and uh, William Castle uh, uh, got Vincent to agree to appear, I believe, and it was The House on Haunted Hill, followed by The Tingler. I love and The Tingler. Roger, that's a giant. <laughs> that's a fun film. Yeah. I enjoy that. That's a fun film. Me too. And they would have, like, because it was um, that guy, they would have, like, pretend there were tinglers on the floor. <laughs> yeah. They would put the wires under the seats in the theater. William Castle, he was a riot. He really was. He was. Well, it's funny because he went again from those kind of gimmick films, and he produced Rosemary's Baby. He did, yes. And died shortly afterwards, quite young, of a heart attack. Yeah, there were about um, four people who died there. Um, And then, like I said, then Sharon. and Yeah, because um, Roman Polanski directed this. And that. And then poor Sharon and her friends were murdered just because they happened to live there because he had uh, a grudge against um, Doris Day's son, Terry Melcher. That's right. That's correct. So it was terrible. But, but it's interesting because actually William, William Castle, he produced Rosemary's Baby. He also wanted to direct it, but was talked out of it because people said, well, you know, everybody kind of uh, connects you with these gimmick films. Right, and like cheesy kind of films. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't want Rosemary's Baby to be promoted that way. And people would think, well, it's William Castle, so it's probably going to be some skeleton jumping out of the roof or something at some point. Mm-hmm. So that's why they got Polanski, who had done Repulsion. And there's a film we should discuss. That's a very unnerving film. Very, very unnerving film. Um, yeah, so Vincent did The Mask of Our Death, House of Usher, The Pin in the Pendulum. One of my favorite ones, I, th- I don't know if it's a, uh, it's, um, a Corman one or a Hammer, uh, The Gorgon, <laughs> the lady, <laughs> or was, it was a lady, right? The Gorgon. Well, that's a, that's, yeah, that's a Hammer film. And it's Peter like Christian Medusa, she's like Medusa. And- Megara. She's Medusa's sister. Ah. That's a fun film, too, except um, the effects are so laughable. It's unfortunate they didn't have CGI in those days uh, because uh, there were some scenes there that just, I mean, when you watch it as a kid, you can accept it. To watch it now, you go, oh, my God. (laughs) It's funny. But it still still has a quality about it. It does. eerie. It does. And she is creepy. So, you know, it's just the effects, unfortunately, were pretty limited in that movie. Yeah. But that was a Hammer film, definitely. And um, you want to talk about how Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee did with their um, their collaboration? They worked so often together. I met both men. I was so honored because I was I grew up with Hammer films uh, before I even knew about the Universal Classics. Because where I live in Winnipeg, we never really had a TV channel that showed those. Yeah. So I would I would go to the uh, Saturday matinee, uh, and they would play the Hammer films. 
So Peter and Christopher were my two first movie idols in the horror genre. And like I say, later on, I got to meet both of them. How cool. It was a great, great, great experience. I love Peter Cushing, and he adored his wife. He was so lonely, and he said, I'm just living until I die and get reunited with my wife. And he became, I'm trying to get Joyce DeWitt on the show from Three's Company, I think she was in. And she had... He loved Three's Company, and he really liked her. So they became pen pals. They became friends and pen pals. I'd love to ask her about that, but I really liked him. And Christopher Lee, you know, he's done a lot of different work. He wasn't just Dracula or what's no, that, Alucard. He did a lot of stuff, and, you know, I do like him, too. He was very versatile. And when I met him, it was interesting because I met him through the fan club I belonged to, and he was actually passing through my city of Winnipeg promoting a movie he made called Bear Island. Mm-hmm. And it was arranged that I could actually meet with him, being a member of his fan club, probably the only one in Winnipeg, I believe. And I sat with him in his hotel room at the North Star Inn for about 20 minutes to half an hour, and we discussed his career. He was a true gentleman. He uh, had no problem with me discussing his horror movies with Hammer. And, because at that time, I think he was trying to get away from the whole image of Dracula and that. Right. He was a true gentleman, as was Peter Cushing, who I also carried a correspondence on with for a number of years. So for me to meet two of my earliest film idols was quite a thrill, and I still love Hammer films. I mean, they're still, to, to this day, you know, my, 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 I'll watch them whenever they're on TV. I have the uh, DVDs, and they're just, they're just great movies. I love them, too. And I um, there you can also check it out, because YouTube uh, generally plays a lot of them, but then someone complains, and then it'll disappear, but then it'll come back up. So you can check out on YouTube to see if you can find that one. Um, also, The Birds. Do you consider mm. that a horror film? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Oh, certainly. I mean, there certainly are some horrific scenes in that. I remember my uh, my parents took me to see that at the drive-in theater some years ago. Hmm. Well, many years ago. <laughs> I wish it was someone's many years ago. And uh, it was funny because that summer we went out to uh, rent a place at the beach, and there were wires there, and we would see these birds sitting on the wires. And at the place we were staying at, the cabin, we had to use an outhouse. And I remember my mom... God bless her. She was afraid to go out to the outhouse with those birds sitting on the wires because <laughs> that movie, like Psycho and Showers, it made an impact, you know. It did. I didn't see it until later when it showed on TV. I was really young, and I go out in my backyard, and I'm looking around at the birds and and all that stuff. And this is when, um, I guess, Hitchcock became totally obsessed with Tippi Hedren. Tippi yes. Hedren. And... Um, she was a model. She had never done an acting before. And I thought she did a good job for being someone who had never acted before. She did a very good job, and but apparently he was quite sadistic with her. They made a movie, if I'm not mistaken, called The Girl. Yes, he was a where real Where it kind creep. of talks about the experience that Hitchcock uh, had with her uh, uh, during the making of that film. And it was, yeah, it, was, it wasn't like Janet Lee and Psycho, that's Mm-mm. for sure. No, and and she thought it was because she rejected him, but I can't imagine any. No, you know he's a brilliant filmmaker and director, and did great. I love, you know, I watch him from YouTube, his TV stuff. But you know, come on, I think he. It, there's rumors that he and Alma only did it once, and that's where he got his daughter. So who? 
the heck knows? Oh, yes. Oh, the secrets of Hollywood is not the truth. But yeah, but that was that, that's a, I would consider the birds a horror film, definitely. Um, how's about you got any more 60s or should we move on to the well, 70s? Well, I don't know. Uh, we, we, we discussed the Poe films uh, yes. with Vincent Price. Um, uh, Hammer films. Night of the Living Dead. I think we could probably move on now to the next decade. Yes, the 70s. And I think maybe um, The Exorcist first. Well, what can you say about The Exorcist? <laughs> I mean, to this day, that is still a film a lot of people talk about. And uh, even with all the uh, you know uh, films they come up with now that are pretty brutal, sadistic, that still seems to be the film that people talk about is the most frightening movie ever made. Mm, I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't find it that way. When I fact, first... When I, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say when I was... Uh, I, I snuck in to see that at the mm-hmm. theater when I was, I think, was I 15? Maybe mm. 15 or something. And I, I managed to get into the theater for some reason. I guess I looked older than my age. And I, you know, I wanted to see it. And I thought it was a good movie, and I thought it had some good scares, but I, I, I couldn't understand... The you know all the hype about people fainting and uh, you know throwing up in the theater and running out I, I, the door. <laughs> yeah, I, I could never quite understand. I mean, I suppose there are some people who are very sensitive who could be affected that way. But to me, it was just like a it was a good scary movie. Period. And it, I think it was a marketing stunt, big time. Sure. Um, I never, you know, I didn't see The Exorcist in the movies. I think the first time I saw The Exorcist was like maybe in the nineties, and the first time I saw it, I got scared. First time. Well, like I say, it's got scary scenes, but I mean, it didn't stay with me. My mom saw it actually after I saw it, and it bothered her. It really bothered her. Oh, my my mother wouldn't have watched it. She would think she was possessed by the demon. (laughs) She's just, she'd be going to church and dragging me with her. So, no. (laughs) (laughs) So they, they had their mishaps. People died. Yes. A bunch of people died. Um, you know what I can't get? And I like Linda Blair, but her mother, they were testing all these kids. Her mother brought her to do this. She was only 12 years old. And to me, you know what I mean? I was just like, I think that's so young. She did a great job, as did uh, Mercedes Cambridge. Is she the one? She was the one who did the voice. She, she did the voice, right. And uh, But gee, if I, it was my kid, I would not have let that happen. But you know, you but but, but if you're going to film, but if you're going to film the book, you need to have that character. Of course, the actual story is based on a a, a, a boy. I think it's yes. a preteen or teenage mm-hmm. boy who was apparently possessed, and uh, so they based the Blatty based the, mm-hmm. his book on that. So they needed a young kid to play it. So either they're going to make the movie or they're not. But I understand your point there. To have you know a young. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to figure that out. Well, they did need her, and she did a good job, but I just think that kid. Um, the Exorcist was a biggie. Um, you two loved Salem's Lot, the TV. I, that movie scared me. It was on television. Well, we're kind of jumping ahead for a couple films you should mention maybe first. Okay. Uh, we should talk about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> which was another seminal film of the early 70s, mm-hmm. which uh, really was uh, probably one of the most terrifying movies ever made. I've never watched it. Well, it's kind of, again, based on the Ed Gein story, which, of course, was done in Psycho, dealing with this family of uh, 
cannibals, and uh, it's, it's it's a pretty, but it's but it's a, one of those films that makes you creeped out again because it doesn't show. There's no gore to speak of in the film. It's just the tension, the suspense, and just the whole theme of the story that I think really is upsetting. But uh, it was one of those, again, seminal films. Toby Hooper, because you mentioned Salem's Lot. Toby Hooper, the director of that, later on directed Salem's Lot. Yes, and he did a great job. And I want to talk about one. You guys can definitely find this on YouTube. It's a great Christmas horror story, but it is just a creepy story. And it's called Black Christmas. And Margot Kidder's in it, Andrea... Um, from, John Saxon. Yeah. Yes, I love him. Um, uh, Olivia Hussey. Is that her last name? Hussey? Yep. And Cure Delay. And Cure Delay, who is amazing. I like his looks. I think he is not handsome in a conventional way, but I think he had really cool looks. And yeah. they're at a sorority, and they're getting obscene phone calls, and... The women are starting to disappear, but they don't even know that the women are disappearing until the father comes, and it's it's a blood fest. But um, it there are so many plot holes. They leave her alone. The, you know what do they call her? The final girl. They leave Olivia alone. Um, they leave a cop outside, and you know what? They can't find. Um, the, the uh, daughter of this man, why in the world don't they go up into the attic? Don't you think you would check the whole house to see if all the bodies were there? But they don't. Well, yeah, but it's still, it's still, that's, that is, that is a very, uh, very creepy film. And that ending is very disturbing. <gasps> oh, yes. You know, that, and, 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 and the interesting thing is you kind of laugh about, uh, well, it's a, Chris, a, it's a Christmas film. And it was directed by Bob Clark, who later directed A Christmas Story. Wow. Well, he, he, he's a good director because this is, is really good. And, um, I mean, the me. obscene phone calls are horrible and he's crazy and they try to make you think it's care delay. Because really, when you look at it, it looks like the, the guy's even wearing one of those green shirts that he has. One thing that gets me is Olivia... Hussey knows that uh, he has his he is, his dream is to be a concert pianist. So he's been practicing and practicing, not getting sleep for three days. What does she plan to do on the day he's going to do his big thing? She's going to tell him she's pregnant and she's getting an abortion. <laughs> and he just totally, he wants the baby. He loves her. She doesn't love him. She's going to get the Why did she have to tell him that day? He just blows the whole thing. I mean, but of course, this is a movie, but it's like so it's a stupid. It's a plot device. You know, that's, the, again, the suspension of disbelief, the plot devices. They, you have to sometimes kind of put your brain into neutral, you know, and just... Except the film for what it is. A and, good uh, one. Scary. The problem is sometimes you do you do find you question, especially in a horror movie, you'll find so many things to question if you actually don't just sit back and let your brain go into neutral because there are plot holes galore in most of those types of films. In a lot of films, there's plot holes. but In most uh, a lot of films, true. Yes. And in Black Christmas, this is one of the films which shows the killer's point of view mm-hmm. 
where you see him just walking into the place, climbing uh, the lattice to get upstairs and, you know, him watching the girls and his murders, whatever. Okay, we're going to talk about a movie that I think is fabulous, and I know Stone likes it as well. Carrie starring Sissy Spacek. It's definitely one of my favorite films, and in fact, it's the film that inspired me to tackle being a horror writer, because I saw the film, was totally impressed with it, and of course, because of that, I checked out the book, and uh, Stephen King's first big novel, or actually his first novel, and uh, I just decided at that point I would love to see if I could, you know, do the same kind of work he did. And uh, so that it's a film that had a big influence on me. And uh, I think one of the reasons is because it's not just it is a horror film, but it's also a character study. Big it talks time. About, yeah, teenage angst, being the outsider in the, in this uh, high school cast system. Cassie, Cassie, (laughs) the principal always (laughs) calling her Cassie. Cassie. (laughs) And it just just works on so many different levels. And, of course, you've got that unforgettable ending, which I think really makes the film because I think that's why a lot of people will remember that. I would never forget that. That, to me, what an ending. One of my favorite endings in a horror film. And it it started a trend, didn't it? Yes, I believe it was the first one that did that. And, you know, it's like, okay, you think the movie's over, but it ain't. You know, so I think that started that trend. Um, Also, in 78, I think this is pretty much um, when the uh, Scream Queen and sort of slasher movies started coming out was Halloween from 1978. That is true. That was, I think, the beginning of the slasher films, which is interesting to call it that because it's actually a very suggestive film, like like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. You know, you don't really see a lot of violence. It's implied. Right. But you don't see gore. I mean, not what you were to see in, in, in years to come. Uh, people are killed, of course. and But it's, it's done in such a way where, you know, it's, uh, again, like, like Psycho suggests a lot, but you don't really see a lot of the violence. It's basically suspense uh and uh and just the atmosphere the environment of what's of what's going on and it was a may i thought it was a great movie it scared me when i saw it um i watched it probably last week and i was just doing a more you know looking at things and how it was i mean usually in horror films people do really stupid things and in this one that wasn't the case. She did everything right, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, and, you know, nobody did these ridiculous things. You didn't see her doing the backwards crawl, which I love to do. Oh, my God, I'm so good at that. Anyway, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, that was like her first film, and she was wonderful, and Michael Myers, and that became a franchise, but this film was wonderful, and uh, like you said, it had, you know, she thinks, was he the boogeyman? I love Donald Pleasance in it. And he's so <laughs> dramatic. He's wonderful. And he said, yes, he was the boogeyman. And so, I mean, she does the right thing. She sends the kids out. She does everything right. And that's why I like this as a movie. Because I believe in the sequel. sequels. It was like, you know, forget it, Phil. That didn't happen anymore. But. 
when she got Michael Myers and shot him, and we're all like, yay, she did it. And then all of a sudden, they look out, and he's gone. And all you can and that, hear... And that is how the whole franchise should have ended. But, of course, the movie was a huge box office. Yeah, it was only 300000 The yeah, um, The huge. thing was $300,000, and it made a huge amount of money. And all you were left with was him going... And everywhere, you know, you're looking on the street. I don't think he did a... Yeah, so it was scary. It scared me the first time I saw it. But this time I was just watching it for, I think, for the show this that we're doing. And I just thought, you know, this was not a cheesy film. But then after that, they wanted to make Jamie Lee Curtis the Scream Queen... And she did a bunch of films, and then she said, I'm not doing these anymore. And they got really slashy, kill, kill, kill. Yeah, yeah. You know, no uh, no character development, just we're going to kill well, you. She, she did Prom, uh, prom Night and uh, Terror Train and films of that type. And uh, it just started, uh, Halloween started this whole trend that kind of ran throughout the 80s. There, you, Then you had your Friday the 13th, you had your Nightmare on Elm Street, you had your Child's Play. And what these all did was lead to more sequels. And uh, that's a sad thing because I think Halloween should, I mean, I know people want to make money in Hollywood, but for me, I want to forget the other films and just think solely of Halloween. I wouldn't even buy the other films from my video collection because that film ends perfectly. Leave it at that. It did. And like I said, it was good. It wasn't... um you know, it wasn't, like, stupid. Like, why are they doing that? Nobody really knows any of this stuff. She doesn't know any of this stuff, and then she figures it out because she sees the bodies. But um, a little tidbit about, I think it's Halloween. Uh, I did not know this. As I was doing some research for this for this podcast, I did you know that Michael Myers' mask was supposed, it, it was a William Shatner? Yes. Yes, I, yes, yes. Do you think it looked like William Shatner? I have to look again. Uh, that, you know, that's. I, I guess I, that must be true. I don't know. I've heard the same thing myself. And if you look at the mask, yeah, it's kind of got a similarity. But uh, was that intentional? I don't know. Yeah, don't well, know. he wanted, um, he got really angry and he wanted uh, royalties for his mask. I have to look at it again and see if that goes <laughs> on. We can talk a television Bravissimo Stephen King uh, movie, Salem's Lot. Oh, yes. Scary. That, along with uh, a couple other, actually, um, TV anthology films, including uh, Dead of Night and Trilogy of Terror, has to be, those three have to be probably the most terrifying TV films ever made. And uh, Stephen King's Salem's Lot uh, is, yeah, that's, that's, they, they they did a remake of that some years later with Rob Lowe, and uh, they actually had the vampire Barlow be more like portrayed in the novel. But you can't you can't top the original. Uh, it's that, a wonderful that was, film. That was a heck of a good film, television movie. One yeah. of my scary. favorites, and with oh. those scary kids, you know, yeah. come join us, and they're floating in their pajamas or whatever, and knocking on the door, and they're little werewolves. <laughs> werewolves, they're dr- <laughs> they're little. Draculas, yeah, and <laughs> it's great. And of, course, and of course, that terrifying scene when Lou Ayres discovers 
the resurrected Jeffrey Lewis sitting in the rocking chair, just sitting there, rocking slowly. He's got the glowing eyes, the fangs, and he's going, teacher, teacher. <laughs> if that doesn't give you that creeps, nothing will. And, of course, you've got this scene in the morgue with the resurrected vampire, the jump scare there. There's a lot of jump scares in that film. It works really well. It does. I mean, I can see, I can see why uh, it was as successful as it was. But then again, they did a remake of it, and uh, it just you, can, you couldn't compare. You I couldn't never compare even knew they did. Um, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't waste my time. No, I wouldn't watch it either because this one is so good. And I'm, I really don't see... Like I saw it once, and then I think they would play it sometimes. But like I said, I went on to Amazon Videos and I ordered it. I think it was only two ninety nine. I think it was a two parter, and you know, it still scared the crap out of me. Yeah, it is. It's an unnerving movie. It's one of those films that still has the power to uh, to make you, you know, sit in apprehension and even have a good little delicious jump at certain points. So it works on those levels, definitely. Yes, and then, um, as we were saying, it became the Scream Queen stuff. And then in the 80s, uh, I believe we were talking about The Shining. Well, yeah, well, <laughs> that was a disappointment. And I, 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 I still, you know, that was a film I was so looking forward to seeing because I read the book. And when it came here to my city, I was there opening day, really anticipating a good film. And I was I, very disappointed with it. And I know you are, too, for a specific reason. For Jack Nicholson, who I like. Uh, Jack, is that his last name? <laughs> I'm going through the scary Halloween fog. I'm sorry. Jack Nicholson. Right? Exactly. Jack, yep. Jack yeah. Nicholson is a golfer. <laughs> I thought he... Um, I thought he very much was not the right person to play the part. No. Stephen King didn't either. He has such a way about him that he is just a creep. <laughs> you know, he comes out, he's a creep. He hates his wife. He's rude and sarcastic to her. And just, mm, I just, uh, I would have liked to see someone else do that role. And they did not, nobody, uh, uh, Kubrick, uh, Jack, they did not want Shelley Duvall, but they got Shelley Duvall, and she really suffered from PTSD doing that film, and Jack Nicholson gave her big props saying she did, she had to do so much work, and she was amazing, so he gave her that, but she really, um, Kubrick treated her like crap, and um, she cried a lot on that film, not just well, Kubrick, on the film, but yeah. off Kubrick the set. was a very—he he was a perfectionist. Apparently, there were some some uh, scenes that were shot. I can't even remember how many times, numerous, numerous times, so he could get them exactly as he wanted those scenes to be shot. And that would be very stressful. I mean, Nicholson, I guess, you know, being a being a, 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 a seasoned performer, he could do that. Even that must have been trying on him, but. Um, uh, like you're saying there about his his performance, I agree with you. He looks like he's crazy right from the start. And that's even what Stephen King complained about. He said, you know, with Jack Nicholson, great actor, uh, he was like perfect in, in, let's say, the Joker in Batman. But for that film, he he doesn't gradually transform like Martin Sheen, who was uh, Stephen King's choice for that role. Jack I'd Lawrence. love to have seen him do that. He would have been good. He, he plays 
deranged and he can play straight. And he, he would have actually, we would have seen the evolution of his madness coming on. Yeah. He would have gone in, okay. And, um, but hence that didn't happen. And I still like The Shining, um, but, uh, you know, like I say, you got to give it up and know that Jack's a creep right from the get-go. But I think the reason they did hire Jack was he was a big box office. Definitely. Definitely. So I think it was more a commercial consideration giving him the part than Martin Sheen, who's a great actor, but I don't think he's, you know, huge box office. No, he wasn't. He never has been. Um, no. How about talking about a movie you really dislike? Poltergeist. I don't like Poltergeist. I'm, you know, I, I, I saw that again when it came to the theaters and read all the hype. I was looking forward to it. And I, I just found it was overdone. It's one of those films that to me was overdone. It's got a great climax with the swimming pool and the resurrected, well, not resurrected, but the corpses coming out of the coffins and that. But the film itself, I just, I thought it was just like, it was like a roller coaster ride that kind of went too far. Mm. I just hated it. And I would never watch it again. No. And it definitely had the curse. Dominic Dunn died, and this was her first movie role. She was murdered by her boyfriend, who was a chef. He strangled her. And he got about three years for that. And um, the poor little girl, Heather O'Rourke, was only 12 when she died. And she died of allegedly um, bowel, uh, intestinal um, obstruction and something else. But both Stone and I have heard other, other uh, just, you know, allegedly's and rumors about how she really died. And I'll be honest with you. I would not be surprised. Nor would I. No, I've, I've, I've heard those stories as well, and uh, they make sense to me. I mean, uh, there's a lot of lot of questions there, and uh, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. It's something we can't get into here, but we both have our, our feelings uh, about that. Yes, and we are in agreement with that. Um, did oh. you ever see The Fog? Uh, that was another John, John Carpenter film. Yes, that was the. I think that was the second film he made after Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I liked it. It was good. It was atmospheric. I didn't like it as much as Halloween. Me either. Uh, but it, it, it had a good atmosphere to it. It um, scared me when I first it, saw it. it scared yeah, me. Yeah, it, it, it was. But I thought it was one of those films, unlike Halloween, that I saw it and it was kind of forgettable. Then it was kind of forgettable. I didn't really think about it afterwards. It didn't really make an impact on me. Well, it didn't really make an impact on me. You know, like. These movies now, thinking about them, they've made an impact on me, but not in my exactly. daily life. And my, hum, the fog. No. <laughs> and after the fog, he did. It was, it, after Halloween, it was kind of a disappointment because, you know, it's like um, some of these directors who make this great first film. Let's yeah. like um, M. Night Shyamalan, who did uh, The Sixth Sense. And then he's never really been able to quite reach that again because he hits so big with that film. That his other films have been pretty much disappointing, I think. I do, too. Um, but he did do... I love uh, The Thing from Another World. Then he did The Thing, which I really liked The this part. They did another remake with some woman in the main role. And it just, you know, stop it, too. Because you had two really good ones with Kurt Russell and the whole gang. They were wonderful in that film. 
I don't like remakes for the most part, but I agree with you that The Thing was a really, really well done film. And unfortunately, it didn't do well at the box office. Now it's a cult favorite. But at the time, it really kind of was a failure. And it's the effects uh, and the whole story itself and that downbeat ending, it's, it's a great movie. Yes, it really I is. Much I much prefer it to Alien. I've never been into Alien. Uh, I saw that movie again when it came out back in 79. That was the, the summer of horror when they were bringing all these horror movies out for that summer. And uh, that, that one was the top of the list. And, you know, I've, I, I watched it then, and I've seen it since. And I just, one of those films I just can't get into for some, some reason, even though I know, like, The Shining is popular among a number of people. But it, it's never worked for me. Yeah, it didn't... Uh, I didn't like it either. I um, wasn't my cup of tea. Um, you no. know what? You do a lot of the '80s stuff. Was there anything in the '80s I really wanted to talk about? Um, oh, the, yeah, oh I know. Are- we want to touch upon. I wanted to touch upon um, Friday the Thirteenth. Right. Recording? I'm recording, yeah. darling. Oh, sorry, I didn't. Okay. Yeah, Friday the 13th, that was, you know, we had the big success with Halloween, and all of a sudden these other films are coming out, beginning with Friday the 13th, where you had the, the serial killer. In that case, it was Jason, who became the hockey mask killer, I think, in the third uh, installment of the series. Uh, and it was, again, we're the teenagers up against the mask killer. Of course, in the first film, it isn't actually Jason himself who's the killer. We find that in the second film, third, and ad nauseum when, you know, the whole series went crazy until he went to outer space and then eventually even fought with Freddy Krueger. <laughs> so the whole series, the whole series thing began there with him and with, uh, then you had uh, Freddy Krueger and you had Angelo from the uh, Sleepaway Camp series and Chucky from the Child's Play and uh, one film begat another. And a bunch, and another. Then it became the, uh, the Scream franchise in the nineties. That's um, correct. When do you, when did? And I know I told everybody I watched torture porn once. It was that horrible you know, centipede thing. I never watched anything yet. When did that come out? Did that start you know, in the eighties sure. or the nineties? I, I, I think it probably came even after that. There were these films that. Uh, Again, you start. I, I think Saw was probably the beginning of it all. The Saw films by mm-hmm. Eli Roth. Then he had the Hostel, and then you began getting into films like the only two that I've ever seen of that series. And I guess they could be referred to as torture porn. Would be um, Wolf Creek and uh, Eden Lake, and they're two films I would never want to watch again. I'm they're very disturbing. I don't see any entertainment value in films of that type. Uh, to see, uh, you know, uh, people being tortured and put into... I mean, granted, uh, both Wolf Creek and especially Eden Lake are very suspenseful. And the films themselves do keep you watching until they come to their horrific endings. But um, they're not they're not films that I would consider entertainment. You watch a film like Child's Play or, you know, a, kind of a goofy horror movie, which they basically are, uh, Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, Jason... Um, you know that's that's just total fiction, and as you said before about human beings scare you more. Well, those are the kind of films where human beings are scary, right? And you know, it's it's not so much monsters; it's the people who are crazy. There's so many we could talk about. 
But one I, we both wanted to talk about was tell everyone. Booger the Nose Girl. The, the, one that you saw, the one that you saw, the one that I won't see? No, no, no. The Booger Nose Girl one. Oh, the Blair Witch, Blair Witch. You know, yeah, that's that's yeah, that that kind of started a whole new uh, uh, thing in films. The uh, the point of view, or not the point of view, the lost footage uh, films, which they did with uh, Paranormal Activity. God, they do it over and over and over. There's been about two thousand film footage ones. I just can't imagine sitting in a movie theater watching shaky camera footage Mm. without getting nauseous or getting vertigo or something i don't understand it but you know look what happened the uh, blair witch project became such a massive hit 350 a, million t- i think yeah, on 60, on a, on a, on a budget. 60 000 budget exactly and i don't and know if those actors got any of that toe, which they i hope they did well <laughs> it's it's a good concept and uh, I just don't like, I can't watch films like that because I suffer occasionally from vertigo and, and I just could never sit in a big in a theater on a big screen and watch something like that. But I mean, actually, yeah, the Blair Witch Project, and it's got a pretty good ending to it. I mean, I saw, I haven't watched the whole thing, but I've seen bits and pieces on television. And it's got a, the, the final scene is pretty creepy, what happens. But I just, I, I'm not, I'm not going to really get into films of that type myself. I mean, it just doesn't do it for me well I, I didn't like any of the characters you know i thought she was like you know okay gang and you know the bossy um i'm running for school government <laughs> you know that kind of miss know-it-all kind of creepy broad i didn't like her and i just didn't like the guys either so i'm not being a sexist i just didn't get into the characters oh, this like the exorcist um did this whole promo? Oh, you'll be sick! It's far the most scariest movie ever, whatever. And um, like I said, three hundred fifty million bucks well, you, later. Well, you will get sick watching that movie just from the for the, the filming alone, because again, it's a shaky camera. Uh, you know, so if you're gonna sit and watch this on a huge movie screen. You're going to get sick to your stomach. I mean, you're going to get sick. <laughs> Not like The Exorcist where they say you'll get sick because of the uh, the content. It's it's the the filming that will make you sick watching a film like that. Yeah, I and she always filming. She reminded me a little bit like she would grow, grow into like a Jane Hathaway from <laughs> the Beverly Hillbillies or something. <laughs> she was just, you know, that kind of annoying, bussy, know-it-all yeah. kind of girl that you just... Oh, I get a B plus in this class. Can I take it over so I can get an A? Please. I knew somebody like that. I got a 40 and my best friend got a 40. <laughs> so we were doing it after. And she said, Mr. Majulowitz, I got it. And he, he just was like, uh, Susan, B plus is very good. No, I can't have you take it. And she got all upset. What a doofoid at, you know, really. <laughs> So he kind of just looked at us. He wore blue suede marshmallow shoes. What a riot. And, you know, we we were like, okay, I think we got about <laughs> 60. We did score a couple extra points. It was math. It was like algebra, yeah, geometry, shit, stuff I really don't care about. Well, there you go. But, you know, back to that, back to the movie there, I, I, I wouldn't watch it if it came on TV. I wouldn't. I actually has been on television, and I just I just don't really care to see. You know, these are the kind of films I've 
gotten away from. Uh, I say the 80s to me was the last really good decade of films. So a few exceptions. There have been a few exceptions since then. But the way the horror movies have um, gone lately, we, again, you're t- talking about torture porn and films where they do horrible things to people. And, and people that generally don't even care about their characters who are brought in to be slaughtered. Um, uh-huh. There's just no, there's no creativity to me for the most part and what's coming out of Hollywood nowadays. No, and it's copycat stuff or something like that. It's very rare to find a really good horror film, something that makes you think, something that, you know, you need the little imagination for, not just slash, slash, slash. And, um, yeah. Well, compare the original Halloween with the Rob Zombie version. You can't compare the two. I mean, you know, the original Halloween is a work of art. Yeah, that's just ick. It's slaughter. It's just. I mean, I. I just. It's. It's a horrible. It's, like I said, it's a. It's. It's an ugly film. And unfortunately, he might be a talented filmmaker. He probably is, but his subject matter is ugly. Uh, House of Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects. Yeah. Uh, the two Halloween bad. films. They leave you with a really bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, I couldn't and get this, finish and those. And get this. Uh, get this. Apparently, Rob Zombie is doing a theatrical version of the Monsters. That is very interesting. Huh. I wonder if he's going to make it comedic or is he going to make it like... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know know. why anyone would do that, but... I don't know why they want to do it, you know, because with him, I don't know. It's uh, Is it going to be funny? Is it going to be gross? Because, I mean, the films he's done so far are violent, gross, and disgusting. So I don't know how he's going to handle uh, (laughs) something like The Monsters. Yeah, sweet, uh, jovial, mm-hmm. <laughs> big boy. We love Fred Munster. Fred, right? Oh, Fred Gwynn. Yes, he, Fred was, great. Gwynn. he was great. Herman I Munster. Mean, he, was, he was Herman Munster. Yeah, he, he he did that part to perfection. I loved him. He was so great, and he just played it for all it was worth. And um, she did well as well, Lily. Um, oh, yes. I loved how they always thought Marilyn was, oh, that poor dear, she's so unfortunately <laughs> ugly. And um, Butch Patrick and and Grandpa, the no, very no, old Dracula no. perv. Yeah. <laughs> He, oh, was yeah. a, he was a real perv in real life, too. I mean, he... Um, I've heard stories about him, yeah. Yeah, he was a <laughs> pretty vulgar, pervy dude, but, you know... And- and Herman Munster, Fred Gwynn, was writing children's books. I don't think figure that one out. He <laughs> was just big and sweet, and I just loved his Herman. He was hysterical. It just, was a great show. It was. You know? I wish so they I put it, it on somewhere. I think they were, I think on YouTube you can get some episodes, mm. actually. I think so. I shall check it out, because I do have my favorites. You know, there are some that I think are stinkeroony, but there are some that I just L-O-V-E. Oh, yeah, the classic, classic. But again, I don't know what Rob Zombie's plans are with that. Uh, I hope he doesn't, uh, you know... Make them evil. <laughs> well, yeah, desecrate desecrate the, the, the classics to remember. I mean, I remember as a kid, when the first episode of The Munsters ever came on TV, I forget how old I was, maybe five, six, whatever, mm-hmm. and I was just, I was thrilled. Gosh, you know, I was a monster kid, and here's a TV show, but a monster family. I mean, you couldn't do better than that. But they weren't scary. They were just these sweet people. They're fun. Oh, yeah. Of course. Of course. Um, all right. Why don't we discuss again the Batesville Ghoul? Oh, well, you're going to be discovering that very soon. That was sent to you yesterday. It's 
uh, kind of my return, well, one of my returns to horror after writing books of different types from history to westerns to biographies. And uh, I began my career writing horror novels back in the 80s after I came out of college and realized I didn't want to be a political journalist. And uh, seeing at the time that Stephen King was so successful, I thought, well, I love writing. I love telling stories. Let's write a, a book about horror. And I did. And I wrote uh, three novels in that genre and did did okay with them. Then I moved into other stuff because by the late 80s, horror was starting to kind of slide out a little bit. And uh, then I decided uh, later on in my life, I wanted to get back into writing imaginative fiction after writing some westerns and stuff. And, and George uh, Raft, which was a fabulous book. Well, that was my that was my one of my biographies I did, mm -hmm. which I enjoyed very much doing. But uh, I pretty much uh, come full circle, I guess. I wrote uh, three books. Uh, of the genre recently. One is called The Children of Resurrection Gardens. Sounds good. And that's my, the first return to my, to my roots, let's say. And then uh, the second book was uh, To Sleep, Perchance to Scream, The Rebirth of Adam, with two M's. And uh, my most recent book is uh, The Batesville Ghoul. Uh, all three of them are uh, Pretty scary, I would say. I think I haven't lost my touch in the genre too much. I, Again, following rules that I like in films, I try to create characters that the reader will care about. Mm -hmm. uh, that will, you know, so the situations that occur to them are things that will... And they're, and, and they're not bizarro world-type things. They happen in, in recognizable areas. So I think it's something that people who read the books will be able to relate to. I mean, it's not, not science fiction to speak of. Yeah, it's and horror. it's a Wendigo, right? It's the, the Batesville Ghoul is the Wendigo, definitely, which is the one creature, I guess, if I had to think of one monster that would scare me, it wouldn't be vampires, wouldn't be a werewolf, wouldn't be uh, Frankenstein's monster. I think the Wendigo, because if you read the background of what the Wendigo really is, it is quite a terrifying creature. I have to look that up because I'm really not sure about it. But it's funny. I uh, read today that one of the hottest things in movies now, they're going to be doing Wendigo stuff. I, I just recently saw there's a film coming out called Adler's. Which deals oh, yes, with the Wendigo. Yes. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wait a second, I was there before you guys were. I, know. I was writing Wendigo I was writing Wendigo books back in the nineteen eighties. And this book came out before the, I even heard about this movie. So yeah, Wendigo yeah, it's interesting is a hot topic again. Yeah, and um, you know, I think reading books gives you, like you said, the imagination, you put yourself there. And I love horror novels. I haven't been reading them because I read so many biographies for the show, but yes, um, uh, I love them. And I'm looking well, forward to reading it. Well, I've been doing some short stories as well. Uh, so I've got, uh, uh, well, you, you read one of the ones I did, and i got two more coming out. And uh, so I, I, I'm kind of kind of getting back into the genre. I don't know if it's because it's October, Halloween, but I, I always find around this time of year I kind of get my my horror hat back on. Because uh, it. it's spectacularness. That's correct, exactly. So I'll be very interested to hear what you think of the Batesville Ghoul. And, yes. Uh, I'm very curious to get your, your feedback. And also, I'm going to link Stone up. You can see the books he's written, and you can see and buy The Wendigo. So, oh, The Batesville 
ghoul. The Batesville ghoul. <laughs> Give me a good <laughs> Okay. So, Stone and I have actually been here for two hours because oh I've had this haunted, haunting in the house, which is very bizarre. I had, um, you know, something that happened that's never happened when I've done a show. And not only did it happen once, it happened twice. So, that's scary. The supernatural. Yes, sirree, Bob. That's it. So, thank you guys for listening to my True Stories of Tinseltown Spooktacular. And I am delighted, Stone, that you have been with me for these two shows. You love horror films. I love doing shows with you. And it's been spectacularly spooktacular. Oh, I feel the same way. I always enjoy our conversations. We we certainly have a lot in common to discuss, and we both love our vintage movies and even some of the more recent ones we discussed in the horror genre. And, uh, yeah, it's always it's always a pleasure. And thank you. It's always a pleasure for me. It's a lot of fun for me. I'm nice and comfy, and it's just fun to talk to you. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Happy Halloween. Um, today maybe is... I could end, maybe, maybe I could end off with just one little thing. Go ahead. <clears throat> I was working in my lab late one night when my eyes <laughs> beheld an eerie sight. When my monster from its lab began to rise, and suddenly... To my surprise, he did the mash. He did, he did the, the monster, monster mash. mash. The Mon- monster mash. <laughs> it was a graveyard smash. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yay. Bobbissimo again. So, again, everybody, have a happy and spooky Halloween. Stay safe. And, again, Stone, you the best, you the man. Thank you. Okay. 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 Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Stone. Bye, everybody.